Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Genesis 25, we're at the halfway point of the book of Genesis. Can you believe it? There's 50 chapters in Genesis, so we're at the halfway point. And the halfway point marks the point of the death of the guy that we've been watching through the book for the first, uh, most of the first portion of the book, and his name is Abraham. His original name was Abram. He was called out of a pagan nation, out of a place called Ur of the Chaldeans, and he obeyed God. He didn't know where he was going, but God told him, I want you to go to a land that I will show you, and Abraham obeyed, and he went. And God directed his steps, and Abraham's life is a prototype. It's a type of the, uh, the trek of faith that we all go through. We start somewhere. Most of us, you know, some of you grew up in a Christian home, but not all of you. I, I grew up in a Roman Catholic home, um, but uh, I have told you many times my home was filled with dysfunction. My father left our family at a very early age, and so there was a lot of moving around and a lot of trying to figure out and get anchored, and my grandparents actually became a big part of anchoring our family and giving some stability to it. And so as a a young man, I would just say this to you, I knew about God, I'm not sure that I knew God. I knew uh, things about him. I learned the fear of the Lord very early from an Italian grandfather. I say, you do what I say, or I smack at your head, that kind of thing. Uh, we used to play at the park when we were kids, and my grandfather would tell us that um, we had to come upon hearing his whistle. So uh, we would be playing at this slide, and it was, seemed like as kids it was a mile away, and we would hear, <laughs> and it sounded like Grandpa's whistle, so we'd come run, <laughs> Grandpa, did you whistle? What, I no call you. So we went through that as children, but anyway. But I bring that up to tell you that sometimes you don't realize that God is taking things that go on in your life and he's framing your life uh, for a purpose. In fact, Ephesians 2.10 says that God has good works that he's prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. And I don't believe that God causes everything, but I do believe that God can orchestrate or he can exploit even bad things for his good purposes because he has a plan for your life. And as we saw with the uh, young woman's conference, um, he, he wants you to know that you're his masterpiece. And many of us don't feel like that. Sometimes we feel like more like a mess than a masterpiece. Can I get a witness? Especially first thing in the morning, we have dry drool and all that. Anyway, God... <laughs> God, is that really how you see me? And so Abraham started the journey. In fact, he started the journey late in life. When he left Ur of the Chaldees, he was 75 years old. Now we're going to find out tonight that he lived to be 175. So if his journey of faith started at 75, he had 100 years or a century of faith. Now if you all would, look in Genesis 25. This is one of the main verses for tonight. And I'd like to read the verse from the NIV. It says, Genesis 25, verse 8, it says, Then Abraham 
breathed his last and died at a good old age, an old man and full of years, and he was gathered to his people. So chapter 25, halfway point of the book of Genesis, marks the death of Abraham. And the Bible says that he died at a good old age. This was something that God had promised, that he would live a long life, and he was full of years. Or another way to put this is that his years were full. Many uh, who have commented on Scripture and Bible scholars have said, it's not necessarily the number of years that you live, uh, the fullness of those years, if you will. It's how full they are. Are they full of life? You know, you have something very precious tonight. You have life. Dr. Walter Martin said that, you know, you could have been made something else. You could have been a fruit fly. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. <laughs> but it is a privilege to be human. Of all the species that we could have been, we are humans. The only creature that I know of made in the image of God, you're a human being. Your life is precious. But we live in a world that sometimes devalues your life. It sometimes tells you that you have to measure your life by you know, certain things and you gotta fit into this certain criteria. And if you don't do this or look this way or have this many followers on whatever the digital uh, thing is these days, Twitter or whatever, or if you don't do this or you don't fit this mold, then you must not be a masterpiece. And that's a lie. It's a lie. God has a plan for your life. And God wants to use you. And sometimes when you hear that, some of you say, there's no way. God wants to use somebody like me. Yes, he does. You are valuable to him. And he had a plan for Abraham, and he has a plan for you. And we learn in Joshua 24 that Abraham came from a family of pagans, a family that was not devoted to the God of the Bible, a family that was not devoted to the God of Israel, and God called him out of paganism, and if you're wondering what that means, paganism is just something, uh, religions that don't follow the true God or follow the God of the Bible, and that's where Abraham started, and everybody, please hear me tonight, has to start somewhere. You gotta make a decision. You have to decide if you want to be on God's path or the world's path. You gotta start somewhere. And it's the first step of faith that Abraham was willing to take that God blessed his life and he came to the end of his life as a father of many nations, we'll find out in this chapter tonight, and he was blessed. You know, sometimes when we look at growing older, we think, oh, you know, have you heard this? And for those who are a little older and have sparklers in their hair tonight, that's my reference to gray hair, by the way. Um, if you got more sparklers than you do regular color, if you paint them once a month, we won't go there tonight. You know, sometimes we think, oh, uh, growing old, you got to be tough to grow. <laughs> we got our sayings. <laughs> you got to be tough to grow old. You don't know nothing about pain, whippersnapper. <laughs> but I think there's a way to grow old with God's grace and to live a full life or a life that's full. You know, Jesus in John 10.10 said, I've come that they might have what? Life and have it more abundantly or to the full. Did you know that Jesus said that that was the purpose of his coming? Now, we could take about three or four purpose scriptures tonight and we could talk about them, 
Well, one of the purpose scriptures of Jesus' coming was he came that you might have life and have it to the full. And you might say, well, you just said earlier I'm alive. Oh, you're, you're alive if your heart's beating. But the Bible's definition of life is different. To be alive in God is to be full of the life of God. And we lost that at the fall, which is where we started way back in Genesis uh, chapter 3. And we get it back through the second Adam. His name is Jesus Christ. And so Abraham becomes this picture of a man who lives a life of faith. But he did not live a perfect life. Uh, He did not live a life that was doubt-free. And some of us sometimes think if we have doubts, we must be a disappointment to God. You know, I don't see any Bible characters having doubts. I was listening to Gary Habermas earlier today, and he said he was talking to a pastor, and the pastor was asked, do you ever preach on doubt? And the pastor's response, this is famous, this is how pastors respond. Oh, doubt doesn't preach, brother. That's another way, that's pastor speak to say, you don't want to, you don't want to do a sermon on doubt because that, that doesn't build people up. That doesn't encourage people. That's false. Sometimes when you hear that other people had doubts and make, made mistakes, that can be really encouraging, amen? And Abraham had his doubts. He was told he was going to have a child when he was old, and Abraham laughed. Now, sometimes we downplay Abraham's laugh next to Sarah's laugh. She laughed. She lied about it. God said, you did laugh. She said, no, I didn't. God said, you did. End of argument. <laughs> How do you argue with God? You know, you can't do that. But Abraham laughed about it. And then he said, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. And remember, Ishmael was that big hiccup. And it was Sarah who told him, go ahead and sleep with my maidservant because, you know, we got to get with the program here. And Abraham did it. Some scholars believe he did it reluctantly, but he did. And Ishmael came along. And, and Abraham had trouble believing God. He doubted. And then two times as we followed his journey, as he was in some crisis points in his life, he lied about his relationship with his wife. And he said, she's my what? My sister. She was his half-sister, so it was only a half-lie, and half-lies are not as serious as full lies. Right? Wrong. (laughs) So this is the man that we're watching, and I just want you to see that Abraham's a man that gives us hope. He was not perfect. He made his mistakes. But at the end of the day, his life was called full, not empty. How many people do you think check out of this planet empty? Ever thought about that? You know, statistically, um, they tell us it may not be this many, but it's close to this. Two people die about every second in our world. How many people do you think are checking out and it would be said of them, boy, he or she lived a full life? May I submit to you tonight that If you want to measure things, if you really want to see if you're on track tonight, maybe you should ask yourself if I'm headed towards that kind of uh, description of my life. This particular chapter is about the life of Abraham, but it's also about the death. I'm recapping his life, but it is about his death because his death is recorded in verse 8. He breathed his last and he died. Every earthly story does come to an end. Life is temporal. 
Uh, but spiritual life is not. Your physical life is temporary, but your spiritual life goes on forever in one of two places. And so we'll talk about that as well. Abraham breathed his last, but when you breathe your last on this side of eternity, if I can put it that way, it doesn't mean that your life is over. And Abraham's life was not over, but his earthly life was. And so he died, and he was gathered with his people, 175 years of life. The Bible answers the question, if you're wondering tonight, and I'm sure most of you know this, but the Bible answers the question about why we die. We die because of sin. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. In Ezekiel 18, we are told the soul that sins shall surely die. Adam was warned, in the day you eat thereof, you eat of that tree, you will what? Surely die. He didn't die on the spot when he ate the forbidden fruit, but he did die spiritually. And that's what God was talking about. He was talking about spiritual death, which is which one consequence of the fall is physical death. And so we die because of sin. Romans 6.23 tells us that. You can look at Genesis 2.17, which I just mentioned. And Ezekiel 18.4 says, Behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the Father as well as the soul of the Son is mine. And the soul that sins shall surely die. This is why we die. We're in a fallen world. We're in a fallen body. And we age and we die. But the hope that we have as believers is that we're going to go to be with the Lord. In fact, when the Apostle Paul talks about death, he describes death not as a cessation of existence, but as a departure. So here's a, a new way to think about death. If you haven't done this before, death is actually a departure. Uh, Philippians 1.23, Paul says, to depart and be with Christ is what? Far better. Death is a departure. The question is, do you know where you're going? You ever been in an airport and watched uh, departures and arrivals? Right? And you kind of see if your flight is leaving on time. Well, people are departing. I gave you the statistics at pretty alarming rates. They're leaving this place. And Paul says, I'm going to depart and be with Christ. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But I don't know if you can say that. I hope you can. For the Christian, death is a gain. No, Christ, no Christian has a martyr's complex. No Christian wants to check out early. Pastor stood up before a congregation and said, it was uh, young and old, everybody was there at the service, how many of you want to go to heaven? Raise up your hand. And all the people raised up their hand except one little boy in the back row. He saw the pastor in the hallway later, and the pastor said, hey, why didn't you raise up your hand when I said, do you want to go to heaven? He said, I thought, pastor, that you meant now. I want to go to heaven, just not now. <laughs> yeah. And so his journey of faith is chronicled in Hebrews 11. We've looked at it before. But the Bible says that God has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. This is 2 Timothy 1.10. God has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. It's come to light that we're going to live forever, not just quantity, but quality of life when we pass from this place. And so his life was full of years. 
So let's pick it up, Genesis 25, verse one. Now Abraham, uh, remember Sarah had died. Uh, her death is mentioned at the end of the last chapter, and since we've been away for a couple weeks, let's just um, re re recall where we were. So Isaac, look at 2463, he went out to meditate in the field toward evening. He lifted up his eyes, he looked. Behold, camels were coming. Rebekah lifted up her eyes. When she saw Isaac, 2464, she dismounted from the camel. And she asked about him, and he, uh, the servant said, that is my master. The servant told Isaac all things that he had done, and Isaac brought her, Rebekah, into his mother Sarah's tent. And he took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. Thus Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. So Sarah has died, Rebekah has come into the tent, and now we have a shift in the story. Now Abraham, the camera pans back to him, took another wife. His wife had died, and her name was Keturah. The Hebrew uh, word that connects to her name is Ketoret, and it, her name literally means spices, or in some translations, spicy. I'm just kidding, it doesn't mean that. <laughs> but I liked how it sounded. <laughs> yeah, I know. Abraham's trying to put a little spice back in his life, you know. Anyway, sorry. So, <laughs> so Abraham took this wife. Her name was Keturah. You'll find out in verse 6 that um, she is called a concubine. And so there's a little bit of debate among scholars as to what she was or more specifically, when she was what she was. Let me put it this way. There's a scripture, and you can write this down and look at it later, First Chronicles 1.32, that calls Keturah Abraham's concubine. Some scholars believe that she was a concubine of Abraham's while Sarah was alive. And then some scholars say, no, I don't think so. The Hagar incident was a... Was a an anomaly, it was a, it was a hiccup, and uh, he did this afterwards. And the plain language of the verse seems to uh, indicate that he took her afterwards. What the Bible may be saying here is that Sarah was his primary wife. We know that, just remember, he did marry Hagar. He took Hagar in as a wife to bear children. And so that sometimes happened in these ancient households. There was no medical advances, nothing you could do if a wife was barren. People obviously prayed about it, but if it looked like a hopeless situation, another wife came into the situation to bear children to the husband. And so uh, Keturah, in, in all likelihood, he marries her after um, Sarah has died. Her, her name, I mentioned, can mean spices or covered with incense. And there's a rabbinic tradition, and this is a, uh, from the rabbis, not well attested, but I'll just mention it in passing, that Keturah had some connection with Hagar. We don't know for sure, but anyway, uh, there it is. So this is how Abraham would be the father of many nations. He had Ishmael through Hagar. She was Egyptian. Then he married Keturah. She may have been Egyptian or something else. I don't know for sure. But he became the father of many nations. And you're going to see some genealogical lists that frame the life of Abraham. And we'll, we'll read through it quickly. But she bore to him, look at verse 2, chapter 25, Zimron. 
Jokshan, Medan, and Midian, and Ishbak, and Shua. That's verse two. So the Bible is big about, especially when you're looking at people's lives, and maybe there's a conclusion of life or an explanation of a person's life. The Bible is big about telling you the family lines that sprung from that life. A lot of people are doing that today with Ancestry.com, right? They're going back and trying to figure out their lineage and stuff. Well, this is very big to the Jewish people. And so what they did is they would chronicle a genealogy, which simply means a family tree, and talk about offspring that came from this line. And in most cases, it was only mentioning the sons that were born, that carried on the name. And uh, we don't have all the history of all these particular uh, names and locations, but I will tell you this, that the consensus of scholarship is that these people groups, and we'll see um, six sons from Keturah and 12 sons of Ishmael, all traced back to Abraham, not through Isaac, but through other nations, Ishmaelites, if you will, and then those who came from Keturah, six sons in Abraham's old age. And the consensus of scholarship is that these people moved to Arabia, to the east of Canaan. Israel's here. So if you go east, you're starting to go towards Jordan, and uh, you're starting to go, go towards Iran and Iraq. So it's in those areas, and Arabia is there as well, the Arabian Peninsula, north and south, from Egypt all the way up. Uh, at this time, I think it would be Assyria. And so you can trace some of these names are found in what's called cuneiform archaeological discoveries. And what that means is that they've dug up some sites and they've seen some of these names and they're pretty ancient. And so they can make connections to Bible passages and say, ah, it seems like that people group was around for a long time and connects to these Bible stories. To, um, if you pick it up in verse 2, just look again. I'll just highlight a name for you. Midian is going to sound familiar to a lot of you because Midian was the father of the Midianites. Um, the Midianites were the ones that bought Joseph from his brothers in that terrible uh, transaction as they sold him into slavery. And it was Moses who ended up uh, with the priest of Midian who had seven daughters after he fled Egypt and fled the Pharaoh who wanted to kill him for killing an Egyptian. And Moses fled, and he ended up in the land of Midian. And uh, his father-in-law's name is Raul, but it's also, he's also known as Jethro. He had seven daughters, apparently no sons, and uh, Moses ends up at the well, and the daughters come to get water, and they get harassed, and Moses steps in. And the daughters come home a little early, and they say, and the dad says, why are you home early? And they said, oh, well, we got harassed at the well, but there's this guy, and he, he appears to be Egyptian, and he rescued us. And the dad says, where is he? And why didn't you invite him over for dinner? What were you girls thinking? You found a man. <laughs> <laughs> go get him and invite him to dinner please so if you've watched uh, the Ten Commandments Cecil B. DeMille's version of Moses' life the daughters all dance before him and he gets to choose And anyway just, uh, just in passing note Exodus 2.16 calls Jethro the priest of Midian just think about it with me where was Moses raised? in Egypt. So he learned the ways of the Egyptians. 
He learned probably multiple languages. He probably knew mathematics. He probably knew astronomy. He was well-learned, and he was equipped then to write down the first five books of the Bible. However, where did Moses learn about God? Where did he learn about the God of the Bible? Some of you are thinking with me, and you go, you know, well, his mom nursed him for the first few years, right? Until he was weaned, she got to nurse him. So, but even if he was three, when that process was finished, how much would he have learned about God when he was three? So it's very possible that Jethro or Ru'ul becomes a main source of spiritual information to Moses. Hey, listening family, it is summertime and that means Vacation Bible School VBS is coming to Living Truth Christian Fellowship here in the city of Corona. The dates are July 10th through the 14th, and registration has begun for children kindergarten through sixth grade at livingtruthcorona.org. That's livingtruthcorona.org. The theme for this year's VBS, or Vacation Bible School, is Maker Fun Factory, created by God and built for a purpose. And there your kids will experience the fact that God is their creator, and he especially gifted them for a good purpose. That is July 10th through the 14th, Vacation Bible School here at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona. Sign up your kids today at livingtruthcorona.org. You can find out all the information you need there. Get your kids registered, and we look forward to seeing you there. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry, and we have an opportunity to expand our reach. We exist to build up believers and reach out with the gospel to others. And we need you, our listening family, to partner with us in prayer and in giving in order to do that. You can give in a couple different ways. One way is to go online to livingtruthradio.org, or you can send in your offering to Living Truth Christian Fellowship, 1009 Arsenal Way, Corona, California, 92880. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Michael Lance and I want to invite you out for a special night of worship. It's going to be Sunday, June 25th at 7 o'clock at Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Shane Lance. Your love is Doors open up at 6.30. It's going to be $5 at the door. And it's going to benefit one of our missionaries who's heading off to Africa. So that's Sunday night, June the 25th, a night of worship with Shane Lance. Doors open at 6.30 p.m. And you can get information and directions at livingtruthradio.org. We hope to see you there. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.